Live from our nation's capital, it's the Inside Scoop with Mark Levine. America, welcome to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine, reporting a safe social distance from Washington, D.C., just across the river over there. I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. I'm tired. It's been a hard week. It's been a hard month. It's been a hard year. It's been a hard almost four years. And with four weeks minus two days, three weeks, 26 days until the next election, it can't come soon enough. I'm exhausted. You know, when we reported just last week, just last Thursday, that was a lifetime ago. That was before we knew that the president had coronavirus. We were still talking about the Tuesday debate where Donald Trump yelled and screamed over Joe Biden just following the introduction of the Supreme Court justice that Donald Trump wants to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg with, a right-wing ideologue named Amy Coney Barrett, who may be to the right of Scalia. We were just talking about that. Didn't even think about the fact that yet another event without masks would turn out to be a super spreader event that would cause virtually everyone in the White House to come down with coronavirus. I mean, I remember thinking when Melania Trump said, F Christmas, that might become a big story. People don't even know about that. Fox News for years went on a tirade because folks in the Obama White House would say happy holidays and not Merry Christmas, right? They didn't like the fact that in saying happy holidays, it included non-Christians along with the traditional Christian holiday, right? Happy Holidays means Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Joyous Kwanzaa, Happy Ramadan, Happy New Year for atheists, agnostics. No, 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 no. You have to only wish happiness to Christians. And I remember year after year after year, Bill O'Reilly, the war on Christmas. And now the first lady of the United States says F Christmas. She didn't say F. She used the actual word. And, 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 And nobody even knows about it because that's the tiniest news story around this week, and frankly, it's the last time I'm gonna mention it. No, the big story, of course, is the coronavirus. And um, the fact that Donald Trump got his karmic reward. And I posted on my Facebook, I said that this was clear karma. Karma being the, uh, I think it's Hindu. Not sure which tradition it comes from. I think it's Indian. Uh, from India, but basically the idea that, hey, what goes around comes around might be another way of saying it, that you you get what you what you put out there. It's often used to suggest if you're mean to someone, you know, fate gets you or meanness gets you back. Uh, I saw a wonderful uh, tweet soon after Trump got coronavirus at probably he got it at uh, the Amy Coney Barrett replacement. And it was um, a tweet RBG wins her first case with God. But yeah, um, when I put out that it was karma, and, uh, some of my 
folks who, who support me said, Mark, it's not karma, it's science. And I said, it can be both, right? Good karma can come from bad science. If you ignore the threat, if you play it down, and we all know Donald Trump intentionally played it down, and you go out without a mask in a group of closely spaced 150 people, not just in the, in the Rose Garden, but afterwards indoors where no one wore masks. If you flout science, guess what? You're likely to get an extremely contagious, deadly virus. So it didn't come as a surprise so much as a, well, that makes sense. But as with always the case with Donald Trump, things just get weirder and weirder, right? Because first they said that uh, case of it, then they said he would convalesce at the White House. Convalesce meaning, of course, that he would rest up and get better there. And let's face it, 80% or so, maybe even 90, between 80 and 90% of coronavirus victims don't have to go to the hospital. It's a rough disease, but they, they, they sweat it out at home. And then that same day, Friday, he's airlifted to the hospital. And then they lie about his need for oxygen, at first saying he didn't have oxygen now. And then the reporters smartly caught on to the now and said, what about yesterday? And then the doctor said, well, we didn't administer oxygen yesterday. And they said, aha, aha, nice try. Um, did anyone give uh, Donald Trump oxygen before? Uh, 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 we're not answering that question. Turns out, yes, he needed oxygen. Turns out that um, if you know anything about the, the, the oxygen rate, they, they get it when they, they put a thing on your, on your finger. Um, 98 to 100 is normal, 96, 98 is below normal. He was below 90 for a time. That's pretty bad. There's a reason why they airlifted him to the hospital. But right after they airlifted him to the hospital, he's putting out videos suggesting everything's just hunky-dory, and they're putting him on some really fancy medicine that is not available to the general public. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to butcher the name of the steroid, dexomethasone or something like that, that is needed for very serious cases. Not even most cases that go to the hospital. Remember, most Americans, 99.9% .9 of Americans can't get this. It's an experimental drug. But they give him, you know, you got to give the president the best medicine. I completely get that. I understand why uh, they would do that for him. I wish they would do it for other Americans too, but I understand why they would do that for him. But then he goes around and says, maybe he's immune to the virus. Maybe he's just strong. Maybe he's the Messiah. Who knows? Who knows what's in Donald Trump's feeble brain? We do know that he seems determined to infect everybody else. He seems to think that because he can get medicine that costs tens of thousands of dollars that no other American can get, and of course he gets it for free at taxpayer expense, that therefore he doesn't have to worry about corona, therefore you don't have to worry about corona, therefore he tweets out, don't let corona rule your life. No, sorry, Donald Trump, you're right. And for 210,000 Americans, they didn't let corona ruin their lives because they're now dead more dying and when you don't have a mask mandate more will die i want to talk this hour about lots of things 
We'll talk about the vice presidential debate. We'll definitely go there. Um, more happened than just the fly on Mike Pence's head, though I do think the fly needs to quarantine itself for two weeks. No, I want to talk about in general all those White House staffers that are now either running away for their lives or risking their lives to help this president. And particularly the people who, for whom it's not a choice. Think of the Secret Service. Think of the maids and janitors in the White House. Think of the people who cook and take his dirty plates after. I'm reminded that Chris Cuomo, who had coronavirus and very much tried desperately not to infect his wife, went downstairs at the basement. She handed him her, his food via gloves at the top of the stairs. He gave back the dirty plates that she picked up again with gloves. You know what? She still got it. It's very contagious, y'all. And here's Donald Trump taking a joyride in an SUV, forcing Secret Service members in the car with him because he wants to wave at a bunch of supporters because he's about two. Excuse me, I gotta stop saying that. Most two-year-olds are better behaved. Secret Service is some very, very brave people. They have pledged to take a bullet for the President of the United States. But nowhere in their pledge it's a promise to take a bullet from the President of the United States. That's not part of the job description. And of course, it gets worse. He's not ready to go home on Monday, but he goes to the White House anyway and infects the entire White House and the Oval Office and stands out on a balcony like Evita. I don't wonder why a sociopathic, narcissistic president wants to be a dictator. I get why people want to be dictators. I get megalomania. It's not even that interesting to me. What is interesting to me is the enablers, right? Kim Jong-un, I get it. But the people that get close to him and risk death because of it, what's their motivation? What is behind the Republican death cult? Why is it that so many Republicans not only don't care about your life, they don't even seem to care about their own in service of this wannabe dictator? We're going to explore those questions when I come back right after this. He's a Bible-quoting, Constitution-loving, flag-waving, red-blooded, liberal American. He's Mark Levine. Give him a call now at 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. Imagine the situation in the White House right now. All the responsible people are long gone. Anyone who told the truth was fired by the Trump administration. Anyone who didn't cover things up. Well, they're long gone. They're busy writing books and they got to get them out before this election because soon, pray to God, people won't give a damn anymore. So the responsible people are all gone. So who's left in the White House? A bunch of toadies and some people who really need a job. Think of that poor White House photographer. I doubt she's political. 
she's up there and he's spewing death causing virus everywhere takes off his mask goes on the balcony like evita and by the way if you didn't um you know what we're gonna have to play that ad i'm gonna ask mark to find that ad if you didn't hear the lincoln project ad with the um the president set to evita it's really worth worth listening to we'll, we'll play it here on air and then you can watch it later but um yeah i mean do you know the story of evita that was eva peron eva peron the wife of the argentinian dictator who loved to go out on the balcony and have all the crowds cheer her as she was of course indifferent to them or to anyone in argentina except herself yeah there were a lot of parallels there and it wasn't just the balcony donald trump comes home too early. Most folks, given the intense nature of his particular brush with coronavirus, would be in the hospital 10 days. He comes home seven days early, takes off his mask, goes out on the balcony and waves. Of course, that's not the worst part. The worst part is the poor photographer is told to be there and take a picture of him. And then he goes in the White House without a mask, spewing out death. And the people have a choice. They can either take a significant risk of dying or lose their jobs. Remember, the mask may protect you somewhat, but it's mostly about protecting others. This is important to understand. Obviously, the safest way you and I could chat would be if we're both wearing a mask and are six feet apart. Uh, if both of us are not wearing a mask, that would be the most unsafe. That's true. But if you're wearing a mask and I'm not, you're more likely to be infected by me than I am by you. Let me repeat that. When you're wearing a mask, you're protecting my health. When I wear a mask, I'm protecting your health. So even though those folks had masks on, Donald Trump spewing virus at them is much more likely to get in their masks and kill some of them. You know, there as we go down the who's who list of who's got a virus, and it's long, and I will probably forget a bunch of them, right? There's the president, and there's the first lady, and then there's uh, three senators, Mike Lee of Utah, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, there's um, Tom Tillis who's running in North Carolina. Then you've got Kellyanne Conway, now Stephen Miller. There's a bunch of others too. It's kind of a who's who of who we don't like very much. And I don't wish death on anyone. But when you go out there and you don't give a damn about your own health or others' health, and you make policy that harms people, actively harms people, you shouldn't be surprised when you get this virus. Frankly, I was a little worried about Pence last night. He had a red eye. I've heard some studies to suggest that COVID goes to the eyes. I was worried about that fly on his head. No, I'm really glad that, that Kamala Harris was smart enough to insist on those plexiglass barriers. I hope they were strong enough to protect her. But here's the deal, as Biden 
would say, and as I hope uh, uh, soon President Biden would say, here's the deal. We don't know yet to this day when Donald Trump got the virus. By, he won't tell us. His doctors won't tell us. It just came out that he made them sign non-disclosure agreements, like I guess he does for everyone who works for him, because he commits so many crimes. It's understandable, right? It's very important to get people to cover up your crimes uh, if you're going to commit them big crimes on a daily basis. We don't know. But by all accounts, he got it the same time all those other people got it, namely at the super spreader event, which was his introduction of the new justice to the Supreme Court last Saturday. Now, if he was tested every day, if he was, then he knew likely Tuesday night. There's a reasonable chance that Donald Trump knew he had a deadly contagious virus the day that he spewed forth all that hot air at Joe Biden without a mask and certainly without plexiglass at last week's debate. Was he trying to kill Joe Biden? We really can't answer that question until we know when he had his last negative test. Perhaps he just didn't have any tests on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, despite promising us that he'd get tested every day. Remember Donald Trump? I don't need to wear a mask because we get tested every day. How many times did he say that? Well, either that was a lie or he knew he had the virus at the time he was at the debate with Joe Biden. That's actually quite possible. Or at least we know he knew it when he went to his own fundraisers, when he went to Minnesota and was passing out MAGA hats, which you should probably just call COVID hats, right? Everyone who caught that hat, unless they were wearing gloves, had a reasonable chance of getting a deadly contagious virus. Why is it that Republicans don't seem to give a damn for their own lives? I mean, I get the selfishness of not giving a damn about anyone else. It's obvious that Donald Trump does not give a damn about anyone else. Maybe Ivanka, maybe. He certainly doesn't care about his White House staff, these loyal people that work for him. You know, Richard Nixon, to his credit, when he was forced out of office for being a crook, did love the little people, and he called them the little people, the little people who worked for him. He looked down on them, to be sure. But he loved the fact that they loved him. Donald Trump loves the adulation as well. But he doesn't seem to give a damn for the great unwashed. In fact, as he told Olivia Troy, he didn't like to shake their hands, all those dirty people. And yet, his problem wasn't disease because we know he didn't take any responsibility for that. His problem was he just didn't like to mix with the ordinary people who form his base. But my question remains, why would anyone serve this man? I'm going to try to answer that a little bit more when we come back. If you want to dial in, it's 888-48-MARK, 888-48-6275. Back after this. 
He's a Fulbright scholar, and he speaks French, but he couldn't tell you who won the Super Bowl. It's Mark Levine. Give him a call now at 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. So we got a president hyped up on drugs that apparently lead to an unwarranted belief in um, greatness. <laughs> He's got steroids that they say lead to megalomania, that lead to this, you know, they're designed to make you not, they don't heal you. They just cover up all the pain and the agony so that you feel better and you think you're better when you're not. And part of those drugs, it's one of those side effects is psychosis. So people are wondering if maybe Donald Trump took those drugs before he ran for office, like maybe 60 years ago. But obviously they've made a bad thing worse. If they make you more narcissistic, more full of yourself, and I don't know how that's possible with Donald Trump, but they appear to have done so. He even cut off all discussion of a COVID relief package, right? I mean, Americans are facing the greatest unemployment since the Great Depression. Uh, they are suffering with 210,000 dead, 7 million have the disease, worse than any single country on earth we have. We have completely messed up this disease. We are suffering more than any other country. More people in the White House got COVID last week than all the people of Taiwan combined. What's that, 50 million people? So we've handled it really badly. And we have a president who apparently is, um, well, very full of himself. So he went up to the balcony. He waved at who he thought were his fans. I don't know, it's just kind of a few reporters down there. And well, our Republican friends at the Lincoln Project just couldn't help but bring out an old song that if you haven't seen it, you need to watch the video, but even the song itself has a certain beauty to it. Let's listen in. Don't cry for me, White House staffers. The truth is I will infect you. All through my tweeting, my mad existence, I broke my promise, won't keep my distance. I always say too much, Never mind the thousands of lies I have told to you. As for wearing masks and acting sane, that is nothing that I will ever do. So don't cry for me, Secret Service, though COVID might just well kill you. My promise won't keep my distance. Haunting, isn't it? 
The Lincoln you. Project oh. is responsible for the content of this advertising. I, I hope you heard those coughs at the end. Look, it's funny. It's scary. It really does make me think about dictators, like, and really those hangers on, like Ava Peron. You know, I used to be fascinated as a kid to study what some would call the banality of evil. You know, how Nazis could kill in the morning and then go, go home to their families. But I've been more interested in the study of those around a dictator. Who are those people, right? Kim Jong-un, dictator of North Korea. And he goes into a room and thousands of people in his pretend Congress break into rapturous applause. And if they don't, <laughs> they'll likely be killed. Or his uncle, right? Close to the seat of power, but too close. He got killed. Happened in the Soviet Union, right? It happens among Putin's people now. You might just get a radioactive poison if you disappoint the dictator. What causes people to do that? Why would you work for someone who, if you make one wrong step, has you killed? Well, it could be because you like the feeling of importance. You're the leader, just because the dictator wants you to be the leader, I guess. Well, what is it? Is it a death wish? Do Republicans today belong to a death cult? Is it exciting to know that your leader may off you at any time? I mean, heretofore, Donald Trump merely would fire you or sue you or call you terrible names or on Twitter or make up lies about you, but now he can kill you. Now he famously said, I can go and shoot someone in the face on Fifth Avenue and my supporters would cheer it on. And maybe he did on Tuesday night, try to kill Joe Biden. Maybe not. We really can't know. He won't tell us when he had that test. But we do know he went to Minnesota and to his uh, golf club in New Jersey with a bunch of fundraisers, people giving him, I don't know, there got to be rich people to meet the president. $100,000? I don't know. A million dollars? He's meeting with these donors who I imagine are mostly old white men who I guess you know, want Donald Trump to give them massive tax cuts. But he's killing them too. Right? Well, should that be a wake-up call? You're giving, I don't know, a million dollars to the president so he can give you a hundred million in taxpayer dollars. and But now he may kill you. And you can't take it with you. Is there anyone working in the White House who doesn't understand? The staffers tend to. They're all screaming and crying and talking off the record, of course, to reporters. Even the Secret Service is saying, we didn't sign up for this. And then he comes back to the White House. And they're like, okay, fine, just stay in the living quarters. But no, he wants to prowl around the Oval Office. Folks are wearing hazmat suits now. You know, the Zoom button works. I've been doing virtual sessions in the Virginia legislature, Virginia House of Delegates now, since March. We meet via Zoom. And yeah, it takes a little bit longer, but we don't infect each other, which is good because there's several members of the Virginia legislature who've gotten COVID. 
It's a deadly contagious disease. So who are these people? As I said, the rational people left, the rational Republicans left too. I mean, who do you think the Lincoln Project is? It's a bunch of Republicans who left because they couldn't stand Donald Trump or because they actually loved their country more than their party. Conservatives like George Will. But what about all these senators? What about Lindsey Graham, who correctly called Donald Trump out? Uh, one day we should play that clip. But, you know, this charlatan, hoax, grifter. I think, frankly, what he said was true when he was running against him or Ted Cruz. Now, nope, they've got to defend Donald Trump. And they have to defend Donald Trump because the people defend Donald Trump. Their base defends Donald Trump. They could be primaried. And it all reminds me of the old tale of the emperor who had no clothes. You know the tale, right? The, the bunch of um, con men sold the emperor a garment. They didn't give him a garment at all. But they said that only the righteous could see it. So the emperor pretended to be righteous, and everyone pretended to be righteous. Everyone pretended they could see the garment until the young child pointed out, the emperor has no clothes. The Republicans who follow Trump don't do so because they believe in him, don't do so because they think he's moral, are smart enough to know he doesn't give a damn about them. They follow Trump because the people follow Trump. The Trumpists follow Trump, and they believe him because the senators lie about Trump to protect themselves. But what happens when the whole house of cards falls? What happens when, when Joe conservatives Biden wins attack. in a landslide? What happens when he wins in a landslide this fall? What happens if the Democrats take back the Senate? What happens if you vote to get rid of all these Republicans, vote for every Democrat on a ticket? That's the only wake-up call for Republicans to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, I shouldn't lie? I shouldn't pretend this guy is smart? I shouldn't pretend this guy competent? Look at Mike Pence last night. We're going to talk about the debate in the last segment, right? He had to pretend that Trump was competent. He wasn't doing a good job of it, so he mostly didn't talk about Trump at all. He didn't answer any of the questions, did he? No, he couldn't because he's smart enough to know that he's being punked, that the guy in the White House is a crazy man, a narcissistic, corrupt monster who doesn't give a damn about anyone other than himself. Everybody knows it in Washington. First they laughed at the great unwashed out in the rural counties of America who didn't know it. But now they're getting sick and they're dying. We'll be right back right after this. He's a Harvard economist and a Yale lawyer. He does not keep up with the Kardashians. He's Mark Levine. Give him a call now at 888-488-MARK. That's 888-488-6275. Welcome back to the Inside Scoop. I'm your host, Mark Levine. There was a debate last night that used to be the big news of the day before the president went and started infecting everyone at the White House. And, well... I guess it was a more standard debate than the shout fest that uh, Donald Trump gave to Joe Biden when he was just insulting him all the time. But it still was the vice president, Mike Pence, not answering any of the, the uh, moderator's questions and basically just arguing with her. I would love to see 
reported how much time Mike Pence took versus Kamala Harris, because it sure sounded like the moderator got walked all over as Pence took much more time, but she was quite strict with Kamala Harris. Sometimes I wonder if that's a male-female thing. But some were just sort of standard good debate talking points, like the fact that Kamala Harris pointed out that if Republicans succeed in rushing through their Ruth Bader Ginsburg replacement on the bench, you're going to lose your health care. 20 million of you will. And it might just kill you. It might just kill you. Just as the president doesn't give a damn about your health in the White House, he doesn't give a damn about your health when you go to his rallies. He killed Herman Cain when Herman Cain attended a rally. He wants to spread the death call out to 20 million Americans as he takes away your health care. That's right. Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, is being heard by the U.S. Supreme Court right after the election. And Trump wants to rush to get a justice on the bench so that she can rush to take away your health care in the middle of the pandemic, which Senator Kamala Harris very aptly pointed out. If you have a pre-existing condition, heart disease, diabetes, breast cancer, they're coming for you. If you love someone who has a pre-existing condition, Thank you. Thank they're you, coming Harris. for you. If not you are under the age of 26 on your parents' coverage, they're coming for you. Senator Harris, thank you. You're welcome. Let me give you a chance to respond. Well, I hope we have a chance to talk about health care because Obamacare was a disaster. And the American people remember it well. <laughs> disaster. All those people got health care. They used to just die. And now we... we <sighs> They live and we have to deal with it. This is the party that's supposed to be pro-life. Remember, every sperm and egg is sacred. We have to make sure that all those poor women have kids. We wanna put the women in jail or the doctors in jail. If they, you know, a third of American women have had an abortion. I guess they want to round up a third of American women and put them in jail or some of the pro-life people call a woman deciding that now is not the right time to have a child. They call that murder. So I guess you execute the women that have abortions? Not quite sure how it works. But I do know that their love of the sperm and egg and the zygote and the embryo doesn't apply to real life people. Maybe that's why Mike Pence's wife came up on stage without a mask. Because, you know, she doesn't really care about infecting people. Kamala Harris pointed out the real dangers of COVID, and frankly, how the vice president, who's supposed to be head of the coronavirus tax force, task force, had messed it all up. She pointed it out, but she was interrupted repeatedly. The American people have witnessed what is the greatest failure of any presidential administration in the history of our country. 210,000 dead people in our country in just the last several months. And they knew what was happening, and they didn't tell you. Can you imagine if you knew on January 28th, as opposed to March 13th, what they knew, what you might have done to prepare? They knew, and they covered it up. The president said it was a hoax. They minimized the seriousness of it. The president said, you're on one side of his ledger. If you wear a mask, you're on the other side of his ledger if you don't. And in spite of all of that, today they still don't have a plan. They still don't have a plan. Well, Joe Biden does. And our plan is about what we need to do around a national strategy for contact tracing, for testing, 
for administration of the vaccine and making sure that it will be free for all. That is the plan that Joe Biden has and that I have, knowing that we have to get a hold of what has been going on and we need to save our country. And Joe Biden is the best leader to do that. And frankly, this administration has forfeited Thank you, their right to reelection based Th on this. Thank Whatever the vice president is claiming the administration has done, clearly it hasn't worked. When you're looking at over 210,000 dead bodies in our country, American lives that have been lost, families that are grieving that loss. And you know, the vice president is the head of the task force and knew on January 28th how serious this was. And then thanks to Bob Woodward, we learned that they knew about it. And then when that was exposed, the vice president said, when asked, well, why didn't y'all tell anybody? He said, because the president wanted people to remain calm. Well, let's get so to no, But Susan, I, this is important. Susan, I, and I, I, I want to add, but if, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I have to I'm speaking. Yeah, you can so have 15 I, I, I more wanna, seconds, and then we'll give the vice president a chance to So respond. I want to ask the American people, how calm were you when you were panicked about where you're going to get your next roll of toilet paper? How calm were you when your kids were sent home from school and you didn't know when they could go back? How calm Thank were you, you Thank when you, your Senator children Harris. couldn't see your parents because you were afraid they could kill them? This was one of the most powerful moments I thought of the debate. It was very strong. And one of the things that really annoyed me in the debate is that the moderator seemed to want to hold Kamala Harris to time. And when she went over and then then the, the moderator would, five seconds later, your time's up, your time's up. That didn't happen with Mike Pence. Mike Pence would say he wanted more time and she would say 15 seconds and then he would talk at 15 seconds and she would say thank you and he would keep talking. And 15 seconds later, she would he would say thank you and she would, I mean, she would say thank you, he would keep talking. He talked minutes more. Now this is a moderator. I don't know what Susan Page's problem is. I do know that she fetted, uh, she had a party for one of the Trump appointees. I don't know that she's biased. I think it may just be that she's like many people, men and women, was tougher on the woman than tougher on the man. But there's no question it was not an even debate and she wasn't even handed. And I know I have a caller who wants to chat about that. Alistair from Arlington, welcome to the Inside Scoop. Hi, Mark. Hi, welcome to the show. So, What's your comment? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I knew there was only one person to talk to about the, uh, President Trump and Vice President Pence's debate performance. I wanted to know your opinion or whether you had seen any facts regarding whether their constant interrupting was a debate strategy or was it just um, a coincidence? Well, this is speculation, but I would say that for Trump, it's just a nervous tick he has. He can't handle hearing criticism, and so he had to jump in constantly. It didn't even really make any sense. Uh, he would go off topic. He would, um, I just think he, he couldn't stand hearing another point of view. For Mike Pence, I actually think it was intentional. Again, my pure speculation, it's not like Donald and Mike come over and, and we chat about their debate performance. But for Mike Pence, he is um, he's smarter than Donald Trump. He's more crafty than Donald Trump. And I think it was intentional. In fact, I think that he interrupted her precisely, like that moment when she was getting really strong and saying really powerful things. I do think it was an intentional debate strategy. The other thing that was intentional is that Mike Pence 
answered virtually none of the questions. I mean, every single question he dodged. And frankly, I wish that Susan Page had said to him, okay, you didn't answer that question. Kamala Harris, would you like to answer it? Just a little dig in there. Or perhaps, Mr. Vice President, your time is up. Your time is up, sir, your time is up. Maybe an air horn, right? You know, <laughs> a gong. <laughs> I mean, uh, at some point, it's, I understand. Look, I speak all the time, right? So people say, Mark, you need to wrap it up, okay? That's fair. And then you let the politicians speak a little bit more, 10, 15 seconds. But if we don't wrap it up after 10, 15 seconds, you just say, okay, I'm sorry, that's time. And then, and then call it. And I think if, as a debate moderator, when she saw, she said one time in the debate, when she saw that Mike Pence had taken so much time, the correct response is to penalize the overtalker and say, all right, uh, Mr. Vice President, you have spoken two minutes more than Senator Harris. So Senator Harris, you get two full minutes uninterrupted. And if you interrupt Mr. Vice President for every interruption, I'm giving her one more minute. You know, kind of like you would a child, right? You have to penalize bad behavior. I hope they're going to do that when it comes to the next debate. Speaking of the next debate, we're not sure when it will be. The Commission on Presidential Debates wants the town hall to be virtual. That makes sense. We don't want Donald Trump infecting the entire room. Trump said, no, I won't do a virtual debate. Biden has said, fine, we can do it the next week. We'll, we'll give up the third debate and do it on the fourth week, October 22nd. Trump wanted to go the 29th, the week before Election Day, and um, Biden said no. That's where we stand with regard to debates. All I know is that when I come back next week, there's going to be a whole bunch more news. I wish I could tell you what it is, but I do know that there's early voting out all across America. Get out and vote. If you're exhausted as I am, Vote out this craziness and vote back democracy into the United States of America. Thank you, Alistair. Thanks for everyone listening. This is Mark Levine signing off.